We were in Buenos Aires, and we were at very like Pentecostal charismatic churches who were awesome, like amazing people, incredible. And we were having this conversation about theology and what we believe at Mosaic. And so often we have core values, we have it about us on the website. You can Google us and 99% of it is all wrong. But we <laughs> wanted to talk about like one, how to, one acts to the moment of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit filling um, the disciples uh, with, with, its, with his spirit with, and, and them leaving different, but then also what we believe and who we are and kind of the about us spiritually. And, and not just on a surface level, because, and not that it's surfacey, but on an on a, on a outward level, we make it super simple. We're about loving people and about loving God. And, and we love God and we love people. And we, we choose to always embrace the people that are in our life, no matter what the race or sexuality or identity. And we bring them in the best that we can and love everyone at, at, at the way Jesus loved everyone. Does that make sense? And, but there is like a deeper conversation that, that exists. There is this, this, I grew up, we grew up, I grew up Southern Baptist, and, this, and then Mosaic kind of came out of that into now non-denominational, which just means Pentecostal. You didn't really grow up Southern Baptist. I grew up super you, you Southern grew, Baptist. You grew I grew up, up SBC on my chest. Around, <laughs> you grew up around Southern Baptist. And, I, and, I, and I've I apologized and I for that like so them. many I times. <laughs> and I like them. No. But most, like, Any, I'm sorry. Anybody the most, here Southern Baptist? Most people probably don't even know what that right. means. No, no. It's, it's, it's like the church world is gang-related. <laughs> What Aaron wants us to talk about today, he goes, let's go to Pentecost. He goes, let's talk about spirituality and, and how do we express our spirituality um, in a way that's authentic and dynamic, but not like weird and bizarre. And there's this one verse I just want to read because like, um, one, I didn't grow up in church, so everything was kind of new to me. Any, how many grew up in, in church somewhere? All right, so if you grew up in church, you have an idea what church is supposed to be like. And think about that. You're learning all these things when you're six that a lot of us can't get when we're 60. You know, but everybody's like acting like you believe it. And you're like, yeah, that's right, you know. And Jesus, like you, somehow you understand the Trinity and you're six, right, you know. And you understand the end times and you're eight, and which is kind of terrifying. That's why a lot of you are in therapy. And, uh, but... But I, I didn't grow up in this. And so I came to faith. And, and then I got bombarded by all of these different Christian views of how you're supposed to experience God. But what the, the challenge for me was that when I, I, was, uh, I have a philosophy and psychology background, and one of the things we studied in psychology was abnormal psychology and abnormal behavior. And I would study movements like hysteria. And so there's a part of me that's really cynical that goes, I've seen these hysterical movements in, in cults. I've seen it in Satanism. I've seen it in Christianity. I've seen it in Hinduism. And so you, you have to like pay attention to things and go, you can have hysterical reactions to things that are not necessarily um, disingenuous. A person is being genuine, but they're not authentic. And so, I, I, so a huge part of me is I, I've worked how you, hard. How do you explain that part, the being genuine and inauthentic? Because I think humans are bizarre, you know. And uh, okay, funny story. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Why don't you explain it. Why don't you, why don't you, I'm yeah, yeah. No, I think it's because we're psychologically um, volatile, and a lot of in times in a natural we, state. What? In a natural state or the, in a provoked state? Well, I just think that what happens a lot of times we confuse emotion with spirit, yeah. and so we, if we feel something, we think that's God, wow. but a person who doesn't believe in God can tell it's just feelings. That's why they don't believe in God. They're like, yeah, no, no, that's not God. You know, those are feelings. We made friends. Wow. That's, see, spirits. <laughs> a, little, a little creepy, huh? A little creepy, okay. And uh, <laughs> just as long as it's not it, I'll be okay. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah. One of my friends produced that movie and he goes, you should see it, it's not a horror film. I'm like, <laughs> I watched five minutes now. I'm out. It's I'm out. I'm out. I, for know. sure. I, I've seen too much of this in real life. And, no, look, uh, back to it. Back to it. Back okay, to it. Okay, back to this. So I, I do think there's a, a traumatic aspect in human beings. Like years and years ago, 
I, um, I have a friend, he's a dentist, he's a professional, he makes tons of money, he owned his own business. When he was younger, two of his roommates called up the pastor, I was not the pastor, I was just going to church, and they said, he's demon-possessed, he's demon-possessed, he's like, sh he's like shaking and, and seizing on the floor and voices are coming out of him, and, and he was like going crazy, and the pastor drove across the city and came in and looked at him and he said, you're not demon-possessed, get up. And he got up and sat down. He goes, what's going on? And he goes, oh, I've made some really stupid decisions in my life. And if it feels stressed out, it, would have been, it was just easier to pretend I was demon-possessed. And, <laughs> and, but his friends like that, this is so legit. And I think a lot of times it happens is that we, we, we have a fine line between being emotionally unhealthy and then pouring that into what I think is spiritual unhealth. But we just add God and spirit to it. So I think step one to me is make sure you're an emotionally healthy person. Because if you're not an emotionally healthy person, you're going to have an unhealthy spirituality. So how do you drive towards, because I think 99% of this room would be like, there's a little bit of unhealth in my emotional state. <laughs> Especially this generation struggles with so much emotional unhealth. Yeah. And I don't want to give you a spiritual cop-out where you can act spiritual and you're just hiding your emotional brokenness. So my wife Kim brought me one of her friends and she said to me, I have the gift of prophecy, but no one wants to hear what God has to say through me. And so I have, and, and I, they get offended because they don't want to hear what God is saying. And I looked at her and I said, do you want to die alone? And my wife's like cringing. And she goes, no. I said, then someone needs to tell you that is not God speaking through you. You're a really opinionated person who is judgmental. And if you don't stop pretending that your judgments are God, you're going to die alone. And I care too much about you to not tell you the truth. I came afterwards like, well, how could you do that? And I said, because somebody needs to love people enough to tell them the truth. I'm telling you, six months later, that woman was still at Mosaic and came and thanked me and said for the first time in her life, she had authentic friendships. And, and so I want you to understand, first of all, we believe in spirituality and we believe in the activity of God's spirit. But I'm starting on this end because I feel like I'm fighting a lot of unhealth in Christianity. And then you bring that unhealth sometimes because you come from a church that taught you to be unhealthy. And here's how you can know if you're unhealthy. Your character does not match your spirituality. And so if you time speak out, in time tongues. Out, time out, time out. That was so good. Let him just sit in it for a second. Say it again. Good measure. Your character does not match your spirituality. And so if you're like, I speak in tongues and I have the gift of prophecy and I have this gift and I do this and this but you don't even know how to tell the truth or keep a commitment or only date one person. When, and uh, I'm telling you, you're pretending to be spiritual. Is this too straightforward? Okay, you know? But here, so we believe in spiritual gifts. We do, because the Bible teaches spiritual gifts. I believe everything in the Bible. It's a great answer. <laughs> but, but I don't believe everything people say is a gift is actually a spiritual so gift. So one of the questions I get, that's really good. <laughs> you ever get something for Christmas you don't want? <laughs> yeah. Right, okay, I'm sorry. I apologize again. <laughs> no, no, no. But so we don't focus on them as much. Like I get the question, you guys don't talk about spiritual gifts and you don't talk about sin. Yeah. But I think it's just the mostly that we don't speak a Christian language yeah. that makes Christians feel like we've checked off the boxes to make them feel comfortable inside of our church. Christians feel less comfortable in our church than people who don't believe in God. I know, because I don't use the word sin a lot, but I use the word evil a lot. I think evil is like stronger than sin. I don't know, because sin sounds like mamby-pamby to me, like just wishy-washy. But evil, it's like intense. And I, I worry less about sin, because to me, sin is what you're doing to damage yourself and hurt everyone around you but you're not choosing it as, as a, um, as a um, identity. It owns you, you don't own it. 
Evil is when you, you've chosen to be destructive and you've chosen darkness as your identity. So you'd say that that would be the step beyond sin. Yeah, and that's what I'm fighting. Right. Look, so like actual re- brokenness, actual yeah. darkness. Yeah. I mean, when I didn't know God, I knew I was a mess. Anybody not know you're a mess? Like I knew I, I, knew I, I, I didn't know what the word sin was because right. that's more of a, like a religious word. So when they told me like sin is falling short of God's purpose for your life, I go, oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> you know, and sin is, and, and when I would talk to people, I'd, I'd say, hey, do you believe in the 10 commandments? They go, no. I go, yeah, I know, I get it. And I said, do you have any moral uh, value system? Everyone I know has one. And then I go, okay, do you live up to your own moral value system? Everyone knows says no. And so even if you create your own rules, you still break them. Even if you create your own standard, you still live beneath them. So I don't even need the Ten Commandments. And, uh, and by the way, the Ten Commandments are not an extraordinarily high standard. The Ten Commandments are the lowest level of humanity. And because people go, yeah, the Ten Commandments are so unfair, we can't live up to that. I'm going, really? Don't kill each other. I mean, is that, you know? And uh, like, wow, that's, that's really, like, yeah, I, when he comes home, could his wife still be his wife? Wow. Don't steal his goat either. And uh, all, right, my, all the commandments are like, don't lie to each other. The, everything beneath the Ten Commandments is called inhumane. See, the Ten Commandments are not this high bar. They're the lowest possible bar. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he said, anything below this is inhumane. This is the standard I'm giving you, just to be human. And we act as if it's some, like, pole vault. i got to get up there. I'm doing really good at not killing anyone. I've, you know, and uh, and I, I'm, I'm trying to keep those Ten Commandments because they're the lowest level of being human, not the highest. So going back to what you asked, there's a verse I want to read, and then you're going to go to Pentecost. We're going to talk about Pentecost. Because I want you to be a spiritual person. Because I, I'm, I consider myself a mystic. I believe that I hear the voice of God, that God speaks to me, that I live in communion with him, and that a relationship with God should be like breathing. He should be the oxygen of your soul. So I, I, I don't want you to to hear me saying that we don't believe in spirituality. I believe in it so much, I don't want you to confuse it with experience. But in 1 Corinthians 14... No, you just got to let things sit a little bit longer. I'm not a sitter, you know, and... uh, I love sitting. All right, so like tongues. All right, we're going to go right to tongues. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, but I, want you, I want tongues. you to listen to this one verse. Okay. 1 Corinthians 14, 23 says, So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? Wait, hold on. We've got to set it up first. We didn't read the verse that we're actually talking about. So we're going to do this. Well, no, I, I want to use this because I, this is I a know, standard. I you like starting at the end. I like we're starting gonna, at the end. We're going to go to the beginning. because We'll go to the beginning in a minute. <laughs> I'm going to go to the beginning, Austin. <laughs> Edit right here, okay? Split screen. No, no, the, the reason I'm going to go here is because I want you to understand the filter. Six times in the most bizarre book in the Bible, Corinthians, it uses the phrase the unbeliever among you. Three times in 1 Corinthians 14, the most bizarre chapter in the Bible pretty much talks about the unbeliever in your midst. And what Paul kept saying was, why are you so self-indulgent about your fake spirituality when you're, and not concerned about the unbeliever who's among you? The person who's an outsider who doesn't believe should be the most valued person in the room. And if you're doing stuff that makes them confused and makes them think you're out of your mind, you're not stepping into the depth of spirituality that God has for you. Okay, now go to the beginning. <laughs> okay, so unwrap Pentecost. that a little bit. Yeah, right. well, you, we're at the end now. So no, no, go to the, the beginning. End. Come on. Um, no, no, unwrap that for a second. So we talk about the, the, 
the two purposes of why we do what we do. Yes. Right? Like, we are the church. We are building the church. It's our, God's call in our life. Every single person is called to be a part of building the church in, in one aspect or another. Some people it's to serve. Some people, some people it's, to, it's to just be an evangelist and, and, and raise awareness for the church. There's people who have never lifted anything in this room but invite more of their friends to this room than, than anyone else. Mm. We all, have a, we all uh, play a different role. We're all a different right. part of the body. We all give. Though, that's, we all give. Um, and that's a real thing. And so there's different roles in the church and there's different language in the church. And why is it that the church chooses to stay on, it feels like the surface. Even though the church says it's deep, it's, it's, the, it's the insider language, it really is like the surface level language of what makes Christians feel comfortable versus what is actually primary, uh, what is actually primed for the person who is the newest to the room. Because like, we talk about this on a Sunday. Like, on a Sunday, it isn't for us. It's actually for our friends. Whereas during the week, if you choose to not engage in church during the week and actually build relationships on a deeper level, whether it's Bible studies or, or connecting with more people and having, like, having that community, that's the church. Sundays is, is, is game day where we bring people, then we invite people to an environment and an atmosphere where the Spirit meets us and engages us. But can you talk about what you feel like has changed that, that, um, that, that well, what changed in the ch- history of the church? Why did we switch? Why did they switch here and what, what happens in modern day? Well, it's interesting, in the book of Acts it says they met every day and they were praying together and sharing scriptures together and doing life together and, and, and living a life of adventure together. I mean, it was pretty yeah. epic. Wow. And, and then you know, eventually it became a system where you just met together once a week. In a lot of ways it describes it, we become spiritual bulimics because we go to church, quote, to get fed, and then we starve ourselves the rest of the week. And, you can't, and that's why you can't hold it down. Because if you're not eating something every day, you don't have the capacity to receive everything that's been given to you. And, and so I think- I do think that it's also why the character is a big issue. Yeah. Because when we're called to the high standard one day a week, we don't actually live within that standard the rest of the seven days. So we have, we have friends who, who get married and get divorced so quickly because they didn't want to listen to the, the stuff before they got married. They were okay with that. Marriage was the solution, mm-hmm. but the character was the, was the issue. The character was the thing that needed to get worked out yeah. before they ever got to the union part. That's right. Well, but, I mean, if I could just do sit-ups one day a week and have abs, that would be like a dream come true. Right, you know? Yeah, I do. The it. problem That's is the other six days I'm eating pizza, right? You know? And so whatever I do on that seventh day, it's neutralized by everything I did the other days. We want God to change our lives, but the other six days we're just running around trying to do it our own way. And then one day a week we go, God, I'm here. And God's like, you're not going to get abs, you know? And uh, I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. And because intimacy, spirituality is about intimacy. And it's not about experience, it's not about beliefs, it's not about doctrines, it's about relationship. And you know, when you're dating, have you ever had, um, well, everybody here is pretty much single. And uh, you, know, it's, you know, it's funny when you're dating, you do, a, you do a lot of stuff to make the other person like you. Right? You, you know? just lie all the time. I mean, you're, you're buying them stuff. I don't know if you're buying them flowers or buying them dinner or, you know, taking them out to places. And, and then, but you can't sustain that when you get married because you'll go broke. You just can't do it, you know? And, and eventually, and then the reason guys like, how many guys when you have ever gone on a date to a movie with a girl? Oh, wow, you guys don't date. Okay, all right. I mean, how many girls prefer the first date to be going to a movie? I'm just kind of curious. Not a single no, one. No. And you see, the reason, the reason guys choose movies, right? Guys choose movies so they don't have to have a conversation. It's why, you know why it's why you choose movies, bro. Come on. And, uh, and girls want to go get dinner so you can talk. Exactly, so there you much. go. Talk so much. But I've been married 35 years, and my wife doesn't even want to go to the movies with me, but she definitely wants to have conversations with me. And the problem is that most of us try to relate to God like taking him to the movies. We, we, don't, really, we don't want to have a conversation, we just want to be entertained with you. 
drop the mic. <laughs> this is now a conversation about dating. Isn't that cool how that goes into other directions? No, I think and... it's good, though. We don't really talk about it relationships enough, to be honest. Relationships yeah. are hard. Being single is hard. Being married is hard. All of it is hard. Yeah. That is a, it is, that is just a, like, that is just a reality, right? Like, like humans. You're sounding like Johnny Cash now. No. no. Life is like, hard. <laughs> and then it gets is, harder. <laughs> Go ahead. Like, Look, I let you do your thing. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm just this trying episode. to get I'm trying to get one thing. Just one thing on one point on the board. Right, this go, whole battery is one close up of you. <laughs> Can I have this one? Or do I have to do it in post? <laughs> I'll add I'll you'll write the mind. wisdom for me and I I'm not I'm just kidding, kidding. No no keep pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. No, because now all the oh man. I'm sorry. No, go for it. Come on, Garrett. Pick it up right after life is hard. <laughs> but being in, being in, doing community with people in an absolute vulnerable state is not something that is like kosher in the world anymore. Yeah. It's not our culture, right? You, you put your best foot forward. You... Tell pe- you don't go on a date and tell people all the bad things about you, right? That's usually the one date experience, <laughs> right? When you only do that once. Right, no, no, but, you, but we live, we tend to live in community with our best selves and then the, the moment things get hard, we tend to remove ourselves from community. We isolate, yeah. this generation yeah. is a generation of, of isolation. Yeah. And one, because I think you can access so much community from your phone and feel a part, like I, I buy Wi-Fi on planes because we don't sit in the same part of the plane. Um, you sit in the front, I sit in the back. And, and so when, so like if I'm gonna be, I, like if I'm gonna be alone for 11 hours flying from Buenos Aires to Atlanta to Atlanta to here, I wanna text some friends. So I, I will buy the internet on the plane. But it's so easy to watch from far away and pretend like that's engagement. And that's, that's vulnerability and that's being transparent versus, you know, then, then versus actually letting people in. And I bring up that, the marriage stuff because I feel like bef- we, we put our best foot forward to get to a place where they're going to see all of your stuff. And, but we, if we don't actually let other people see that stuff before that person that we choose to spend the rest of our life with sees that stuff, then we just end up in, in like the messiest closeted relationship that we, and there's never freedom in that, right? There's never a release of, hey, this is really who I am. It's forever us just pretending to be the person that we were when we met. And we, we see that so much and we're like, we knew this was gonna happen because they didn't actually let anyone in in the process. So how do you let people, this is not even what we were gonna talk about. But I do think a bit of it is. Okay, I think yeah. we're, we're getting there. We're going a long way. You're going to need to put some more time on that clock. Yeah. Um, no, I think this is important because you know, what were we talking about? Adventures. Adventures, yeah. Adventures, you know, about to break. Oh, Avengers. Avengers, sorry. Avengers. I already ruined it for everyone. You did? Yeah, I told them the ending. <laughs> it's about to break Avatar's record because they're re-releasing it. So they make sure they can become number one. And I think one of the reasons this movie does so well is because uh, one of the great challenges here at Mosaic is communicating to every single person that you, you have a heroic story to live, that there's a hero inside of everyone waiting to be awakened. And that's an easier narrative than it is to say, and you are not created to do life alone. Because it's easier in LA to embrace there's a hero in me mm. than it is to say, I need people. And the power of Avengers is that they're all heroes. They all have their own story. And they cannot fulfill their purpose alone. But they're not good at doing life together. And so here we have a city of the most talented, gifted, intelligent, attractive people in the world who are also highly narcissistic. Because you're the best and you know it. And then how do you create a value system in your life to need community? How do you posture your life in your 20s to say, I have to believe I don't know everything yet, that I have so much to learn in life. And I think one of the challenges is that 
the way we do relationships strategically, it's unconscious, is I only let you know the good of me and I hide the broken part of me as long as I can until that place where I feel you're invested enough emotionally where giving up on me will cost you too much. And then you have um, mutual disclosure. So if you open up your life, but I don't open up my life, you, you now are vulnerable and the relationship will end. And, uh, and so you have to figure out who's gonna share first, who's gonna open up your life first. And how do you do this in community where you want people to respect you and love you and to think you're awesome, but people wanna, but you don't believe people will believe you're awesome if they still see your mess. And I, I'm gonna say, Aaron, I think one of the gifts that you have is that um, you, you demand a space where people are allowed to be broken because you're really open about your own brokenness. You demand a space where people are allowed to make mistakes and keep getting better because you've made mistakes and you keep trying to, we're working to get better. And, but you don't want a space that's hypocritical where people are pretending they're okay. And that's a really, that's a tense thing to do. It's hard to do, isn't it? You know, and it, it's hard for me because um, there's this fine line between you have to believe you should trust me and follow me. And at the same time, there has to be enough human connection where you can see that I'm imperfect and that I have things I work through too. And so how do you see that and then still respect the leader? We've put way too much respect to people pretending they have it all together. And we should respect people who are honest about working to get it all together. We're kind of getting to the end of this, and we haven't started yet. Do you want to talk about this? Do you want to save it for next time? No, I, I think that one of the things that Aaron really asked about was Pentecost. Yeah. Because at Pentecost is when the first disciples came together. You may know the story. And it says the Holy Spirit came on them, and it came with, it says, tongues of fire, and then they all began speaking in tongues. And what, what stands out to you in that moment, Aaron, that kind of drove you to want to have this conversation from this place? Well, one, because we just came back from where we were, where we were at in Buenos Aires. And, and, and if they're watching it, we love them. We had this conversation Amazing openly. People. Amazing people. And, but we were talking about kind of our own spiritual foundation of, 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 of where do we sit in the mix of all this. Because Mosaic has a unique identity and a unique... Um, posture in the church that we oftentimes are an island of influence mm -hmm. where we don't necessarily fit into where we used to fit in the Southern Baptist Convention vibe and we don't sit in the like charismatic Pentecostal world and we, we don't necessarily sit in and uh, there's the only two that like I know. The Catholic. The cat, we're not Catholics, we're not Mormons, yeah. we're, 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 what else? The we're Presbyterians, the Church yeah. of Frozen, we're not, the, you know, we're not the Lutherans, but we're something genuinely unique. And, and I wanted to address this because I think one of the conversations that we have is because as we become, as our friendships grow and our family grows, we have so much influence. Even with MSC, MSC tours with such different bands, like bands who believe such uniquely different things spiritually and we don't agree with them, but we do actually, like we agree with their humanity and their faith and we believe that they love Jesus. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we, we, we're, I think if we're elitist about anything, it's keeping the main thing the main thing. And we get, in, we get frustrated with, with movements that, that we feel like get that mixed up. And whether it's guilt and shame, or whether it's sin, or whether it's anything, or signs and wonders. But this is the verse. When they heard the sound, uh, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native tongues. Yeah, and so what's interesting to me is in, there's a, like a whole stream of movements uh, they are called Pentecostal or Charismatic, and, and it's kind of funny because that, those are most of our friends. Yeah, most, yeah. And everywhere I go, they want me to speak in tongues because I don't, and, uh, and it's really troubling to them because they feel like, gosh, he seems like he knows God, and he seems like he's spiritual, and he seems like he has the power of God's spirit, but how's that possible he does not speak in tongues? There's actually an amazing moment where <laughs> you're sitting at this table of like 
12 like legendary pastors in Scandinavia. In Scandinavia. And and they they said, you know, if you're not because there's an actual belief that yeah. if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. Which we do not teach that. We don't teach and that. And we don't teach that because we don't believe that, by the way. But <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so they asked me they were like, you have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, you guys are in trouble then. And they said, why? I said, because I'm the guest speaker and I'm supposed to speak in 30 minutes. And I don't speak in tongues. So you have a speaker who does not have the Holy Spirit. What are you going to do? I said, you either need to cancel me right now or admit that you don't really believe that. And I'm just like squirming. <laughs> I'm like, they, uh, we just got here. They don't even like us yet. I've traveled the whole world where everyone wants to lay hands on me so I can speak in tongues. And I'm like, you're more concerned about me speaking tongues than me knowing Jesus. And Well, we're not getting invited back now. I know. No, no. No, no I, we actually are invited we are, back. We are, so it's funny is that... I, they their, didn't cancel me. I spoke. Their reaction was like beautiful. It wasn't, it wasn't like. No, it was awesome. They're our they friends. sat back and they really yeah. actually. So after I finished speaking, the guy it. in charge said, that was pretty good for a guy without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so wherever you are in your spiritual journey, our whole point here is this. I told Darren, I said, this is what's odd to me. This is, this is Christianity 101 dysfunctional. Because in Acts chapter two at Pentecost, it says they spoke in tongues in the language of the people. 2,000 years later, speaking tongues is speaking a language that no one understands. But 2,000 years ago, it was speaking in a tongue that everyone understood. See, the miracle was that the people who were searching actually understood. And, and I, 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 I read, see, I, I didn't grow up in church. I'm like, no, right here it says, look, they spoke in their languages. And it goes even, it's, it lists the languages. And, and like uh, the, the Cretans and Arabs and, you know, and, and Parthians and, and Medes. And then it says, we, we hear them declaring the wonders in our own languages, our own tongues. So I'm like, I don't know. It just seems so clear to me that they heard everybody speaking in their own languages, not in a unknown language. And, and then it goes, what does this mean? They, and then one of them says, I think they're drunk, which I, I think is so honest, right? And they go, I think they're drunk. But how could you be drunk and speak in a language so clearly? And then Peter gets up and says... He doesn't actually say that. That's the funny thing. That would be the logical response. He says, no, no, it's nine, it's nine in the morning. Right, he goes, it's only nine in the morning. We couldn't be drunk, right? You know, come back later, you know, it'll be different, right? You know, but... But right now, we're sober. That's what Peter is actually, you know, they're all new in their faith, right? You know, so it's like, and uh, they're working through stuff. And, <laughs> and my whole point is this. Spirituality makes you more empathetic and compassionate and connected to people who do not believe in God. Whatever it means to be spiritual, it means that you care more about the outsider than you care about yourself. And which is why it's important to have these conversations in these moments. And if you want to understand Mosaic and everything we've done to create this community is we, we care about people who don't believe. We care about people who have been hurt by the church. We care about people who are struggling to make sense of this. And I want my gift of tongues to be to help people understand something they've been struggling with all their life. Yeah. I think... I love this verse two chapters later in Acts 4. You're reading ahead. I know. Well, you started at the end. <laughs> I love two things. At Pentecost, the question, what does this mean? I love that they're questioning with the purpose of why this happened. I think we're given two reasons why it happens. One, it's to speak a language that everyone can understand, to speak the native tongue of people who, un who do not believe yet. And like, I love that God always bridges the gap with his spirit uh, between us and people. And I love this right here. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting and was, shake, was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That the, that the product of the Holy Spirit 
and being filled with the Holy Spirit, that they would be more bold in preaching the gospel. Yeah. That awesome. they would be more understood and they would be more emboldened. And I think anything that, that, that we're wanting from God and wanting from the Spirit needs to, to bring those two things. It needs to bring um, a language that everyone understands and, and, and a courage that only God can bring in our life to help people know Jesus. So I think whenever we're looking for the signs and wonders, we have to be looking for the purpose that they bring. Does that make sense? And so good. And by the way, we have people on our staff who speak in tongues and yep. people who don't. I have never asked anyone if they do or don't. I do I, all the time. I'm like, do you? <laughs> Because I care about your character, not which gifts God's given you. That would be like me going, I only hired drummers. You know, I only like this one gift. Yeah, yeah. To have a band, you have to have all the instruments. Wow. And in the Bible, it says that God gives gifts, and there are all kinds of spiritual gifts. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I actually do. And I believe in the gifts. And so I never try to say a person's gifts are inauthentic. That's between them and God. It's not my job to figure out whether a person's spiritual gift is or isn't. It's, but I can look at a person and know if they're healthy. And, and a long time ago, when you guys were not born, <laughs> when I first really was catalyzing Mosaic, I, I spent three months, and we never podcasted it, we never put it on live stream or anything like that. I, I literally spent every Sunday just sharing every miracle I've ever experienced in my life. And, uh, but it was like behind closed doors because I wanted people to know that God was powerful and alive and he's still doing amazing things now. And I, I can tell you, when I came to faith in Jesus, I was a blank slate, so I didn't know anything. And I came to Christ in Orlando, went back to school in North Carolina, and a nun calls me up to meet with me. And she tells me, because I didn't even touch a Bible before that. She says, God spoke to me in a dream and told me he was going to change your life. So I had this immediate sense of, oh, God talks to other people, and he kind of prepares a why. I can tell you within months, I had seen so many miracles. I would pray, and unbelievable things would happen, things that astonished me, and, and, and it terrified me. I mean, it did, it scared me because I remember once I was speaking at an event and this young girl came up and she said, hey, can I share what happened this morning in the, in the service? And I thought she gave her life to Jesus. So I said, sure, come on up. And she says, everybody, you all know me and I was born with this genetic disease and I've never been able to walk or run one day of my life. And this morning when I gave my life to Jesus and he was praying over him, he was praying with me, I felt this energy pass through his body and I walked out and I ran for the first time in my life and I'm healed and I'm like, oh, that's what she's gonna share. I mean, and, and I began to see people supernaturally healed and I saw God move in such powerful ways and I could tell you, I would, I would pray and it would happen instantly and I didn't know if I was praying or if God was telling me it was about to happen. And it's been like that for 35, 40 years of my life. But you don't hear me talking about that because prayer and miracles and signs and wonders are not the validation of whether you should follow someone. It's not, and that's where the church gets in trouble. That's where people's faith becomes devastated because I don't, I don't care how many miracles someone performs. If you cannot trust their character, do not follow that person. And, So we want to have a really spiritual community. We do, and we want lots of miracles. And we do, we want to, and I'm praying for a miracle. We need seven more million dollars. That's, I don't know if that's seven million miracles or one miracle, you, you know, and it comes yeah. massive. And can I tell them what happened? The money I, story? Wait, yeah. wait, wait, can I tell them, the, can I tell them, can you like to go to the end? Can I go like to the yeah. beginning? <laughs> this, this, this young guy, I don't remember his name, but he came up to Carlos, uh, I said a month ago now in Hollywood at the 8 p.m. and he told us about like that pop in his neck. Yes. So there, so 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 me, yeah no synergy. So we were but we were in Hollywood and we were waiting for a friend and to to come up and say hi at the end of the 8 p.m. and and I was being like socially introverted like trying to avoid all contact with humans and um, but Carlos is like a butterfly, a Puerto Rican <laughs> butterfly and. And he was like, bro, I just talked to this guy. And he, and there was like, you could tell 
Carlos is easily excitable, but but he's also like has moments where he's just really serious, and he just goes because Carlos believes in in the unimaginable. He believes in like in, in I love what I love about him so much, and he just goes something just happened. I said what just happened? He said this young man came up to me and said he was listening to the message at one of the sat in Orange County. And it was a live stream video of one of your messages, and he said he heard a pop in his neck. And he had been really injured and had never been able, and hadn't been able to dance again. He was a professional dancer, and he was like this cool young guy. And I said the first question I asked because I'm so cynical is like he was weird, huh? Super weird. Was he weird? And he was. <laughs> and I was like he was super weird, huh? He was like strange. He's one. He's like from that other place that we don't talk about. And um, and he was like no no he was cool he was normal. He introduced me to his girlfriend, introduced me to his mom, and just said something happened. Like there was a pop in my neck. And I was like, still super cynical, but my job is to just pass the story along. And so I went up to my dad and I was like, hey, this thing happened, this young guy, I didn't get to meet him, he went away before I got to talk to him. And, but this thing happened. And I, the first thing I asked Carlos was, do you believe it? And he said, I believe it. And I told you, I said, do you believe it? And you just smiled and said, God's doing miracles. And, and I was like, That's, and I just had chills in my body and you said, because we need miracles right now. And I was like, God will bring what we need when we need it. And you've always positioned yourself and postured yourself to receive what God has for you. And, and you've never been too afraid to ask for it. And so then this thing happens. Yeah, so here's a rule of thumb. When a church builds their meeting on signs and wonders, it's not the way the Bible does it. Because signs and wonders are never to entertain Christians. And you shouldn't need to be entertained. It's, it, God works whenever you're engaging people and setting them free from their pain and sorrow and loneliness and despair. That's when God really shows up. Because the, the miracles are supposed to be for them. We're supposed to already believe. But two weeks ago, I, was, I went up north and, uh, and I was a little frustrated because I wanted to be at Mosaic because we're trying to raise $20 million and I'm out of town, you know? But I made this commitment a year ago and I felt like, okay, a year ago, God told me to say yes, I thought, so I'm just going to go and keep my commitment. So I went up there, and, um, and it was a beautiful place, and it was really wonderful, and, but I was doing a little book signing afterwards, you know, and people coming up saying hi, and this one um, young Asian guy came up to me, and uh, he said, so you're trying to buy your building? And I said, how do you know that? I didn't mention that, because I wasn't going to mention it somewhere else. And he goes, uh, someone, someone said it in passing. And I just was curious, what are you guys doing? And I said, well, we're trying to buy a property in Hollywood Boulevard. But, but I wasn't really saying it to him because I, it didn't feel like it was his, it wasn't his issue, you, you know? And, and he goes, well, um, could I get a way of contacting you? And sure, so I just wrote down my email address in my book and, uh, and phone number. And then I let it go. But I felt like God like said to me, this guy's gonna do something. And, uh, and I thought, oh, he must, he'll go ask a friend, I guess, to help, because he just looked young, and I don't know, I didn't, he didn't look rich, you know? And uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. You, and you called and told me that. Like, yeah, I was like, hey, just, how was it? And you were like, oh. He just seemed like such a sweet guy, you know? And, and, uh, and then a week later, I'm flying to Atlanta, and I'm at the airport, and I get an unknown phone call, and I just went ahead and answered it, and it's this guy. And he goes, um, so tell me, what, what are you praying? What's God saying to you? So I, I thought, okay, I'll just tell him what I think God's saying to me. And what are you praying? I told him what I was praying. And he goes, what's your vision for it? And I shared the vision. And I, it was a little weird going on the phone. I'm getting interviewed by this stranger right, in Northern <laughs> California, you know. And, uh, and I thought, maybe he's a venture capitalist, you know. And uh, Northern California, Asian, you know. I mean, I don't want to stereotype, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know. And... Uh, and and he goes, no, my wife's a dentist, and I run her dental company. And I thought, oh, okay. And, uh, and, and then he goes, we're going to do, you know, we're not rich. I wish we were, but we're going to do something. And he goes, can I contact someone? And I gave him uh, our office's number. And the next day he calls, and he said, we've been saving for 20 years. And for the last eight years, we've held this money, asking God what we should give it to and we wish it was more, but we're gonna go ahead and give our $700,000 to Mosaic. Isn't that amazing? And they said, we, we know you need seven million, so we see this as a tithe. 
as a declaration, you know, that this can uh, come through. And you're the first ones to hear this. No one else actually knows this. And, and I do believe when you're trying to actually serve humanity, God shows up. Yeah. You know, you're not supposed to, you don't have to work. You don't have to try to make miracles work. You, you just be human and believe deeply in God. And, uh, and I remember the only thing I've ever prayed God take away from me is when I was a new Christian, I prayed that I would not have the gift of healing because I kept seeing Christian television and they were all weird. <laughs> and they had to do horrible things to their hair. And, uh, and, and I said, God, I don't want that gift. Whatever that gift is, I don't want that gift. And I felt like God taught me something really important. He said, don't mistake the way people try to materialize my gifts with what my gifts actually are. And, uh, and I can tell you, if you have the gift of healing, God actually does heal people. But you don't have to be, no one has to even know that you're the instrument of that healing. That's just all about self-gratification. Like when you give money, if you have the gift of giving, no one has to know you gave it. You could actually give it and just be generous. When you serve someone, no one has to know it was you serving. See, I think spiritual gifts are most powerful when instead of somebody goes, oh, that person has that gift, they go, look what God did for me. And that's when we know something powerful has happened. And all I can tell you is even with communication, like I was so introverted and so reclusive that no one could have ever imagined me speaking publicly. I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't speak for days and days and days. And, and when my brother went forward to be a pastor, my mom literally said about my, to my brother, we knew God was calling you. And then when I went forward, my mom looked at me and said, what in the world is God going to do with you? <laughs> and one day I had like five pages of notes and I was horrible, terrified. And I forgot all my notes in this little prayer room and I heard this inner voice say to me, if you'll trust me, I'll meet you there. And so I started preaching just because I felt like God promised me that if I would do this, he would meet me here. And to this day, I cannot figure out how this happened. I actually think God likes gifting people who don't think they're that talented so that there's no confusion about where it came from. And I, so I want to challenge you, and I think this is, we want Pentecost here. We want God's spirit pouring into every person, using their gifts to serve other people, to help those searching for God find him. Aaron, I know that you didn't get to talk as much. Do you have a closing word you want to have for so us? I'm so happy. This was so good. Did you enjoy tonight? Yeah. Uh, so special. Um, it's a long battle ready. Do you have a, why don't you just give us a closing thought so we can close up? No, 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 no. I'm good. I, no, no, like, no, no I, this is my closing thought. I'm good. I, I, think, I think, one, the purpose of this conversation isn't to incite frustration or animosity or create a divide between different sets of beliefs within the church, but to talk about verses that I believe are mistaken and and taken the wrong way, and then um, out of um, repetition, become cultural like cornerstones that were, that were actually lead us from building the culture that Jesus actually wants for us. So I ask these questions behind the scenes, and that's the whole purpose of this podcast. This is like the behind the scenes of like our relationship and our our conversations, and so these are the things we talk about, and we try to work them through. And, and here's my posture. Every other church, they're right for them. That's why you're a better person. And uh, we don't judge. We don't, we don't say this is better or worse. It's just different. Some people like chocolate. Some people like vanilla. Some people like strawberry. That's and weird. people come up to me. When people come up to me and go, why aren't churches all unified and the same? And I go, because that would be so utterly boring. You know, and, and so we're not trying to make other churches like us, and we're celebrating how they do it different. And, you, you know... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, no. Yeah. We're not really, though. Yeah, we are. We're just going to let them do their thing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, no. But here's the thing. 
wherever we are in life, whether it's in the workplace or, or in our families or, or here in church, I think the core thing that Mosaic addresses is that, that being a Christian is actually how we live as humans in relationship to each other and in relationship to Jesus, because yeah. that is the church. So let's strive to be deeply spiritual and um, profoundly human so that people without God can actually see God in us. And, um, and I, I think that there's a good measure. Like, um, if you're expressing your spirituality when you're unhealthy, it's probably an unhealthy expression. So get yourself healthy, get in good relationships, get in community, get around, get some friends in your life and just ask them, hey, am I weird? You know, or am I spiritual? And they go, no, like you're weirdly spiritual. Like you are like awesome. God is doing some deep things. No one can explain you. I don't want you to be explainable, but I do want you to be translatable to a world without Jesus. So yeah, to be honest, we're trying to do something different. We think the church has been in a bad place, in an unhealthy place. The spirituality has not been rooted in health. And I think we need to be a part of a new revolution. And I want to clarify to you, not that, that I feel like your statement needs clarification, but I want to go a little bit more, is that uh, imperfect people have massive purpose. Yes. So being in a state where you don't feel like you're emotionally 100% does not mean you can't reach people for Jesus. Because yeah. right. most people are not 100%. We are all on a journey to strive for not perfection, but for um, excellence in our own mind, right? To, 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 to capture and have mastery over our own thoughts. To, to be more kind, to bring more hope. And so I think wherever you are, God has a purpose for you, and God has a plan to bring you into rooms where you can influence people in the level and where you're at. And sometimes you'll be in rooms where you're like, I don't even know how I'm in this room. Like, God, this is literally a God thing. I don't know how this happened. I think those are the moments where you go, hey, you don't have to be 100% to actually bring people to Jesus. Does that make sense? But I think what we end up doing in our weird emotional state sometimes, or our unhealthy emotional state, is not bring people closer to Jesus, we alienate people from Jesus. So I think we have to figure out those things and actually create posture, create a healthier posture. And I guarantee you, you will be healthier if you have friends that are not Christians. You need people in your life who don't believe in God, and you need people in your life who deeply believe in God. You don't wanna isolate yourself. You need community of people who have faith and you need to be connected to people who need faith.